Welcome to the Birthing Ad Pod- Podcast. This is a podcast about pregnancy, birth and early parenting. Yay! G'day, how's it going? I'm Steve from the Prepare Foundation. We are a registered charity that helps first-time dads make an awesome contribution at the birth of their child. This is a podcast where we get blokes talking about their experience to share their wisdom with other men who are about to go through the life-altering change that comes with first-time fatherhood. So let's hear about the transition of parenthood from a dad's perspective. Today we are joined by one of the most experienced birth workers in Melbourne, Erica Munton. Attending 400 births over 20 years as a doula, Erica guides, educates and inspires people to achieve empowering births and transition more confidently into life as parents. She's also a volunteer at Birth for Humankind and works with people from a diverse range of cultures, lifestyles, family dynamics and values. Erica is passionate about increasing expectant parents' confidence and their ability for better birthing, deepening their connection to each other and helping people create positive changes in their personal, professional and parenting lives. Welcome, Erica, to the Birthing Dads podcast. It's so exciting to have you joining us today. Thank you. It is a delight to be here with you and all the listeners. Fantastic. Look, I wanted to just see if the first thing you might be able to share with us is what's a doula? Mm, Great question. It is becoming a little more known, but still is something that tends to be in the minority for people birthing. A doula is a professional birth attendant. So different to a midwife who's done medical training, a doula could be imagined like a sport coach for birth or a companion for both the parents through their transition time of labour and birth. A doula can come into the relationship of a couple sometime throughout the pregnancy and last for a degree of time afterwards, depending. But for the actual birth experience, a doula is offering physical, emotional, mental, psychological support. So physical, hands-on support to support with comfort and pain relief, to be the advocate for both the mother and the father, So we're working together to understand what does that mother want for her birth experience? How can I support that process? How can I support the partner to be their best in their skills, in their intuition, in their connection to their partner to support their journey through from partners to parents? And because I have a more coming into more of a psychotherapy counseling view as I do further studies, I'm really ultimately looking at how are they developing as humans so that they'll be their best, be the best parents and partners and do that well so that they feel empowered, they feel competent, capable, resourceful. It's a lot to ask, <laughs> but uh, but but bit by bit, you know, so it's a getting to know that. And there's a balancing act here. So we're really trying to support the natural birth process. We're also trying to benefit from the reality of medical model of care, but we don't want an overuse of intervention if it's not necessary. And we really want that woman to be the centre of all the attention. It's for her in order to support the family well-being. Excellent. Uh, so you mentioned, the, I guess, the psychological preparation for parenthood there and that you're, you're kind of discovering a little bit more about that. Would you be able to tell us a little bit more about what you see 
parents need to be doing as far as psychological preparation? Yeah, good point. I mean, I think sometimes it, it takes awareness to go, oh, this is happening to me. I have to birth or I'm becoming a mother, I'm becoming a father. What do I want? What do I need to feel healthy in mind, body and spirit and in the relationships that matter to me that are fostering the foundation of this family life that's going to grow? And so there is uh, what responsibility can I take? What agency do I have? What do I need to learn to have more skills to prepare for this? And I think that the mindfulness that somebody can bring into that, that added consciousness and awareness really helps someone to find their personal power through that because as much as we value the fact that we have a medical system that can help us, we're the one, you know, the parents have to take that baby home and are responsible for that child. (laughs) And ultimately you only get to live this life once. You're only in your own body. And so how can we be more able to navigate this journey in a way that's honest to ourselves and to the relationship that you're trying to create as a family. Yeah, I, f- I feel like maybe that's it's it's kind of the next level uh, when we're talking about you know the ways of preparing. You you pre- might prepare physically, you might prepare emotionally, mentally, you know, mental toughness. But then that whole kind of next level of of kind of awareness is, I think, a new area of. Uh, you know, it's expanding and people are becoming more aware of that mindfulness required and that, you know, that trying to move into a space of, you know, belief in self. Yeah. And look, all those things, they all are interconnected. So as a mother and a father go, oh, yeah, this is this baby needs to come out. (laughs) Um, How do I do the physical preparation so I can make more space? So I can actually relax and soften my body and open to let my baby come through. How can I be more willing to actually feel the experience and trust what I feel that it is life coming through me? How does the partner understand that so that they can witness that and support that confidently rather than be afraid of the intensity that they might witness? so that they can also do that preparation physically with her. She's going to feel much less alone if he's going for the walks with her and doing all the active birth position practice, if he's doing the massage and the breathing and the moving that she's been suggested to do when he does it with her, then, of course, he has his own embodied feeling of the benefits, but also she feels there's trust and teamwork building that, of course, carries into the birth day so that it's not like, oh, suddenly I've got to pick up these skills because I'm about to give birth. It's just already how you are as a couple. You're much more attuned to each other. And it, 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 like you say, it carries on into the, through the birth, but also beyond, surely. Yeah, that's right. These are life skills so that you've got the intuition to be noticing how you're coping with your your less sleep, the more responsibility, the more duties that you've got as a parent the less time you have for yourself, of course, you're going to go through a bit more challenge. But when you can be noticing your own physical needs, your emotion, psychological needs, a lot, and observation of your partners, you're probably going to be able to pick up the cues of things not feeling so good sooner and actually be able to give support a little quicker and a little better. Fantastic. I just want to move now into maybe some of your work as a doula. How many births would you have attended now? 
Yeah, I've been to a few hundred over a good 20 years. Every birth setting in Melbourne. So home births, public, private, not with every obstetrician, of course, but um, had a bit of a taste of what it's like across different models of care. And yeah, volunteer with Birth for Humankind. So that's working with significantly disadvantaged mothers, such as refugees, asylum seekers, to the affluent middle class that can afford whatever they want. So there's a real range of all people value support. (laughs) And as a doula, it's really important that I'm aligning to what the client perceives they need to birth well and for me to offer an awareness of what's available to them in case there's a not knowing and to see if they do want to explore it further. Are you planning to attend the birth of your child? Well, the safest scenario is you're calm, relaxed and know how to provide physical, emotional and practical support. The worst case scenario is you have no idea and end up looking like a deer in the headlights. Pitilbra, don't be a deer in the headlights, mate. Birthing Dads has a suite of groundbreaking resources designed to give you a confidence boost ahead of the big day. And the best part, it's all on demand and 100% online. Go to birthingdads.com.au and use the coupon code POD, that's P-O-D, for a 10% discount and learn how to support birth like a superstar. And if you were to speak, like generally speaking, what are the dads like to engage? Where are they at? Has there been, have you witnessed, you know, progression of the dad space or are they still knuckle dragon? (laughs) (laughs) I guess because I'm a doula. They're coming to me usually because there's an interest to already be more aware of their rights to choose. They're more aware that there's some disparity in the medical system versus the natural process, and they want support to find a balance in that. And almost always the dad's keen to be an active participant in this birth experience. They want to help. They want to be more in on it. They want to be more engaged And it's really validating for them to have somebody say, there's not enough attention on you. You're, you're, there's a, there's missing gaps in the system so that they are aware that they matter. They make a difference. They can help the birth be a bit easier and more positive. And certainly they can imprint a whole type of memory of the birth that may not be possible if they didn't see how much they can be a contributor to the experience. And they're also experiencing themselves, you know, they're becoming a dad through the experience. And so I think we really need to acknowledge that they have their own unique birth story to tell and they need that support as well for their processing of that and checking in around what they want, what expectations couples have of each other, etc. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what this podcast is all about. So, you know, guys getting a little bit better understanding of, of I guess, their, their power in this space, you know, their, their ability to make a difference. Yeah. And look, sometimes there are dads that are not as invested, but they become more aware of how important it is for them to step into that responsibility. And occasionally, there's a dad who is opting out, but it's not a very common, I guess, with the types of clients I see. But yeah, we want to reach all of them, don't we? And this is a way to do that by having more, more of this. Yeah, I agree. We, we do have to kind of, you know, try and reach, reach everyone. But I would also say that there might be a percentage of dads that really shouldn't actually be at the birth. 
And that's okay too. You know, there, there's a small percentage of guys who say, oh, I can't stand the blood. I can't, I just really don't want to be in that kind of environment. You know, it's not for me. It's, you know, my histo- history around that is just, I've got some, I've got some phobia or trauma or something happening there. And I think that we need to like allow for that that aspect in there as well if guys just you know really can't if they know they're not going to be helpful i think absolutely and i think that that comes through when you're having your initial conversations is what does she want from him what does he feel he can truly offer and where is there a gap so that she can actually get other support and that's why that is sometimes why a doula comes in to be a gap in that other times it's to be seen you know and I think that this is most common how it goes is that you're there to really actually complement both of them so that they can be best available to each other or certainly the partner to the birthing mother so she can be in her body with her baby feeling his presence so that she can trust what she has to do internally knowing that he's kind of guarding her, keeping her safe so the hormones will do their thing, (laughs) do the work. And so with your vast experience, you would have witnessed many dads, you know, in the thick of it all in in labour and and would you be able to share what you see, you know, are the the common things that dads do that really are really awesome that, you know, you think, wow, that's great and or or maybe a story or two if 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 you're able to share? Yeah. Well, prenatally to prepare, the couple are working through their birth plan, birth intentions, birth map, some word that describes a little bit of this is what the lay of the land could look like and how do you want to journey through that terrain. Then once we're actually there, then we're living in the lived experience of it. And so when the dad is really an active participant through the pregnancy, then what I'm seeing at the birth here is him sharing the birth plan with the midwife and anybody who first comes into the room. This is what we want. Thank you for your support. We appreciate you understanding what my partner wants, you know, so respectful but clear that he's following the intentions, which is often keeping the room quiet, dark, private, less disturbed. He's close by to her, most importantly that he's present, he's focused on her, he's keeping himself calm and he's kind of finding his own flow <laughs> with with her. So he might be, it's, you can see how it just how it's just as important for him to do the, the preparation, hey. So if she can sense that he's breathing calmly and close by and attentive, she just feels so much more supported. So when I see that witness, then I my job's easier. Basically, I'm just observing both. I'm doing that same type of job for them, but I can be just a little bit removed so that they feel each other more so there's more intimacy between the two obviously births go for can go for a really long time like the average birth is at least sort of 24 hours from start to finish and that does not mean contractions that whole time remember that they they come and they go when you got breaks but the physical touch so literally like getting mat into the massaging the soft touch giving her water holding her body weight as she sort of drops forward as she feels the heavy downward sensations, grabbing that vomit bucket if she's about to throw up, 
making sure he's fanning her face, you know, all of these things and helping her change position, encouraging her to move. So it's pretty active. And so if you think that, you know, you have to prepare for at least a night of no sleep, that's why as a doula it's really nice to tag team because I I appreciate that break. They appreciate that break. We can get little naps here and there, but we've got a bit more of a resilient team for the long haul if it if it's needed. So I'm seeing some of that coming through. And, of course, the advocacy. So that's a really important part. So he is attuned to her and he knows what she most wants or as best he can so that if he is seeing her body language not match to, say, the doctor or the midwife saying, Let's let's do a vaginal exam if you don't mind. Just pop up on the bed. Let's let's do that quickly, and we'll see how you're going. Now that kind of sounds friendly and nice, but it's not actually been a consented process. It isn't. This is what we'd like to do. These are the reasons why. You don't have to do that. We could do this instead. How do you feel about it? Would you like some time to process that? Let us know when you're ready. And we can, and no is a, a perfectly good answer. <laughs> so we're not, we're not going to get that type of consent process very often. But if the father, if the dad is noticing that mother's hesitation in anything that's being asked of her, I want to do something to you and touch your body that should only be with her full consent. So if he's able to step in and go, Oh, could you explain more why we need to do that? Or what are the other options? Go through the brain questions, you know, what's the benefits? What's the risks? What are the alternatives? What's the intuition we're feeling in this? And knowing that you can say no now or not yet. If he's kind of doing that with her, then he's really supporting her mental health and physical and her right to choose. And that's very loving. Mothers feel very loved by their partners when they feel that coming from them. Yeah, I can imagine her just going, oh, thank you. You know, I, I, yeah, that's when I need you. And I, I think also, uh, you know, I've, I've also spoken to people where that hasn't occurred and, and, and there's been, it ends up being a rift in their relationship because it's kind of like, well, you didn't support me when I was at my most vulnerable. What good are you to me now? <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. It can be problematic if, if that advocacy isn't done with, yeah, education and understanding about what, you know, advocating for that plan or that map, like you said, those intentions. And I think some of those discussions, I think, you know, just as a side note there for the listeners is some of those discussions can be a little uh, heightened, let's say. So it's really important to kind of chill, take your best chill game into the into that discussion and remember it's about the plan. So if you kind of say, it, then you don't have to kind of like it's not an argument then. It's actually, well, we did actually state on our, on our birth plan right here that this wasn't something that we, yeah. So, so that they're able to, yeah, have, like be able to not seem as if they're being, you know, forceful or aggressive, which is very unwelcome in the birth suite. Absolutely unwelcome and not required at all. But, and maybe that might take you into the next question, which is what have you seen dads doing not so well? It's hard to say. I feel like. I see their effort and sometimes they don't have all those skills and resources to bring all of that together as well as might be needed, but there's still an effort to try or there's a learning that's happening 
I feel like just coming, going back to what we were just talking about, there does need to be a birth debrief for that reason for both parents because sometimes it's hard to acknowledge I just couldn't do it better. That was the best I had. And to find forgiveness and learning and growth together. Okay. So we've, we've understood that that is really tough. Let's get better at that before we have another baby. <laughs> I think it can be harder for dads to do well the more tired they get because they're not as practiced. They don't have the hormones of the mothering, the birthing mother. They haven't been having to get up to go for a pee and be uncomfortable and change position. So they're not, the change is a bit more dramatic on some level from pregnancy to parenting because they haven't been going through the adjustment in their own body quite as much, which is why I think all that effort to imagine what might my, my, my partner, how might I help support my partner when, uh, when I get home from work today? How can I take responsibility for something without being asked? How can I already be stepping into that dad's space? Because I'm going to be coming home and being given a baby after a bit. So I think when there's a sort of a teamwork and effort pregnancy, then I see that come through in the labour. Perhaps if that hasn't been happening as much, then the dad may find that harder to find, to sustain their energy through it. And when they get tired, then, of course, you're physically not as able or you might be mentally more drained, might be harder to stay switched on to all that the plan was. Sometimes I can just see these challenges in the relationship that aren't about to be fixed through the birth. <laughs> I can see there's a fracture in the connection and, yeah, there's there's my heart feeling it and going, oh, I wish I could have more time with this couple post-birth to check in on their well-being as a couple. So sometimes you can see they're just he's just not getting how she needs it and, in that moment, all you can do is try to give him support to give what he can, knowing that there's a bigger picture there that's not going to get resolved right now. Fantastic. And what would you say is uh, the best time for a, a, a couple to come and see you? Like, you know, it, it, they find out they're pregnant. They go, okay, well, we've got a little bit of time up our sleeve, but when when should they really come along and, and see a professional like you? I think as soon as they're pregnant, it's worth having a session to understand what the different models of care offer and how that impacts their support through the pregnancy, their philosophy of the birth through the birth process, so that they might immediately make sure they're getting into a good model of care that matches their values and their wishes, and that they're a little bit aware about what's possible in their personal development through this experience, remembering that some people are really cruisy and others are fearful. that <laughs> It's really scary for them to imagine becoming a parent or the giving birth, physicality, it can, or the changes of the relationship dynamics in the, between the couple can be quite a lot of different things. So the psyche can have a lot come up. So I think that immediately knowing, oh, I've got some support, by accessing a, a doula, a, a perinatal psychologist, depending on the severity or the intensity of the need, is a good starting point. Because babies, you know, one in four pregnancies do miscarry naturally, it tends to be more that people will seek me out as they come more into their second trimester. And I think that's ideal to start doing more mindfulness practice, 
more awareness of their connection to their body so that they prepare themselves physically as well as mentally because then they've got time. Then they've got a whole six months to actually embed into life, into their everyday life, the skills that are going to support their birth skills, their parenting skills, their relationship skills, you know, good communication, like asking for what you want, giving each other the love that actually lands <laughs> not and, and, and putting into perspective what to pay attention to. Do we just buy all this stuff? spend all our money on that and do that reno and <laughs> all this or that? Or do we foster the difficulties in our relationship so that we are a stronger couple? Yeah. But I think earlier earlier the better. But any time is better than no time. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's make it clear. Doing a reno during pregnancy is a no-no. Just forget it, lads. Don't do it. <laughs> and don't move house either if you can avoid it. Uh, don't change jobs. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's a toughie because it's like, Probably a bit harder to do all of that once the baby's arrived, and perhaps it's a, another test of the whole thing of the <laughs> that they that they want to put themselves through. But yeah, it does make things a bit harder. Indeed, it does. And so, what are dads doing during pregnancy that you would you advise? What what are they what are they meant to be doing? Mm, oh yeah, great question. Well, yeah, to begin with, let's just take it right back. There were, a dad had no control over the fact that they were born male and they could have just as much been born female. So if they were the woman, what would they want? How would they be preparing? You know what I mean? I know what you mean. <laughs> so, like, can we really imagine, you know, being so with our partner that we are also understanding as much as possible like them because it matters just as much to you as it does to your birthing, to the birthing mother that you know how the body might respond, that you're feeling the the power of it and the fear of it together so that you can really be attuned to what may come up for you but also what may come up for her so she can really, together as a couple, you're really feeling the um, support you have together. I think that would be, so that would mean you do your birth preparation together. You'd learn how does birth work, what can you do in all the different stages what are some of the psychological ups and downs you might experience and how to manage that when that leads into emotional awareness? How do I deal with stress? We've all got stress in our life, so we've got plenty of places to practice finding a new relationship to stress. <laughs> I mean, it has to be, but a healthy balance with it is important. So, can I find a way to be more calm, more attuned to? my choices in the way I think and feel, etc. So I think that's a healthy one. Attending the antenatal appointments where you can or at least FaceTime in so that you can be in some way present because then she again feels your voice with her when she questions something or yeah, just is discussing the options around tests that may have to happen or can I have a water birth? How does that work? How do you support me to have this birth that I want? All those things. And that he's asking her lots of questions. What kind of, how can we work with the birth process? How can we work with pain? How can we work with effort? How can we work with the unknown? So that he's got his best chance of sensing the world from her perspective. 
and then and he knows her you know he they've got a life of experience so whether that's they've just met six months ago whether they've been together for 15 years and been trying for for a long time to have their baby they're going to have something of their shared journey that he can bring in to encourage her to help coach her you know that only is unique to them so I hope that they they're thinking and they're talking about that sort of stuff prenatally to prepare them so you spoke a little bit there about the emotional kind of journey and the emotional support. How about some physical things that dad might be able to do during pregnancy? Mm, yeah, sure. So as she, it's not like she's an invalid by any means, but she can be more tired. She can feel more aches and pains. She's feeling the emotional reality of sharing her body with a, another little being. She really wants to feel safe and secure. So the, physically you're an active homemaker. <laughs> you're physically giving comfort. So does she need massage? How can she be more comfortable where she's, where you both rest in the evening or the way that you might support her to manage sleepless nights? I think being a really good listening ear, I think that that Physically, it sounds like it's a mental thing, but physically, like you sit on the couch or wherever together and you're not distracted and you really stay available to listening to what she's saying and really trying to feel what she's saying, just as much as you want that from her to you as well. I think that needs to go both ways for sure. And a comment that needs to needs to come in there, I think, is listening, not fixing. Listening. Mm. You're not always fixing, guys. You're just kind of listening in sometimes and just kind of going, it's all right, darling. Don't worry. I'll be there. You don't, you don't need to jump in and go, Oh, we can do this. We can do that. We can do, but maybe she doesn't really need that. All she needs is a sympathetic ear and maybe she doesn't really know what's going on for her at that time. She's just brainstorming and just saying things and not necessarily, uh, you know, in need of your jumping to the rescue. So. <laughs> That's so true. I'm very much a fixer, so I am learning always to reduce the fixer self from coming out. My way to mitigate that is if I still really, really feel like I want to, I ask. I've got some thoughts, but let me know if you want to hear them. (laughs) Yeah, or do you want me to do anything about that? Yeah. Do you want me to do it? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, great. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're moving into birth. Uh, Birth kicks off and... What is what is dad doing in that those early stages and all through all throughout the birth? Like what, when it kicks off, what's happening? Well, leaning into some of uh, Rhea Dempsey's language around the role of a partner uh, and what I've witnessed myself is I think that the dad's role through the birth first and foremost is that he's her lover. Like that's the unique part that whether the baby was planned for or not, there's a commitment in that relationship to um, have a healthy relationship for the baby's well-being and for each other. So I think that no matter what happens in the birth experience, that connection that he can offer her and she can feel from him is going to be nurture a quality of experience that um, will transcend what happens. So that's a base, I think, and that is presence, sort of that embodied awareness, that nonverbal observation, etc. Then, of course, he's a helper, <laughs> and you could be the practical helper. 
what's the midwife's number to call to say we think we need to come in, what's packed in the bags, is everything ready in the car, how do I get there, where do I park, have I got food for me and her, you know, all of these things, do I have my shorts to get in the shower with her, etc. do I have my overnight bag ready. The other part of a helper is then stepping into what's more new in the evolution of men at birth, and that is to actually build your own midwifery skills. How do I massage her to help her hips open? How do I breathe and relax with her so that we're making space? When do I do the hip squeeze, jiggling her bum, all the things that might bring space and comfort and ease and managing the intensity? knowing the lay of the land enough to be able to coach her a little bit. All right, the peak, the peak's over. Take a deep breath, relax, take a rest. Everything is, you're doing so well. You don't have anything to do. Just, you know, I don't know, just the things that encourage and and help her. Yeah, I like the way you, you know, you you actually took your voice into the place where it, the, the tone of your voice there was actually the tone that is required in that space. It's kind of like, you know, you really automatically just went in with this idea of like, okay, you know, you're doing well. There's this kind of really, you know, not interfering with her process and just really, yeah, taking the time to say what you need to say and say it in a nice voice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. The, 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 the intention is down and out. Like baby needs to come down and out and we need time and space to let that happen. And she needs to feel safe. So she needs to feel that you are helping her stay safe and all the big feelings she has are safe to feel and you're with her. And so the tone of your voice, matching the rhythm of her breath, coming down at the end of your words rather than up, where you're like, are you okay, is not going to sound very encouraging versus you're okay, you're okay, you're doing really well, you're amazing, I love you. <laughs> That's perfect, isn't it? You know, and the stroking her hair or, or just holding onto her hands and letting those nails just dig into your arm <laughs> without actually changing the tone of your voice while it's all happening. Yes. Yeah. And and also having the resilience that if she doesn't want any touch and all your plans just feel totally different, that somehow you've got those emotional ninja moves and you can just kind of kind of swing it, sway with that and not feel too affected, but it doesn't mean you're not useful. <laughs> you are useful. Your presence is useful, even if physically you're not doing as much as you sort of thought you'd do, like ticking off a to-do list. Being is just as important as doing. So that that's important for dads to to note. And there's times to encourage and there's times to just be silent and that's hard to say when to do that. This is the trusting one's own intuition. And that's why a dad's preparation ahead of time is going to help him trust his own intuition. Yeah. The other part of the helper, again, like I mentioned before, is being the advocate and making sure you are protecting her human right to decide what happens to her, who does what, what she can say yes or no to. I think they're the key elements of support. And, uh, you know, recognising that every birth is different and that um, it's very unpredictable and you can't walk in kind of having any understanding of, of what's lying ahead of you. What's your advice to dads if, you know, if things are going, you know, the plan doesn't exist anymore because there's been interventions that have caused things to change. 
What's your kind of like improvisation advice for dads around that? Yeah, my birth classes are called active birth because how can we be active with however it's unfolding? So what mindfulness strategies can I still use? If I'm hooked up to an, if, if your partner's hooked up to an oxytocin drip, she's got the fetal monitors around her belly, she's got the IV fluids and the, the stand there and she's got less movement. Well, then how do you be just as active as you were in your house in a two-metre square space where you can get up and down a bed, get on a mat, sit on a ball. You can still do all those things. So you just got to remember you as the dad are offering her a kind of cave, your chest, your chest, your presence, all of these things support her to be sort of deep down in undisturbed, and you can do that even if there are um you know, other people having to come and go or interventions that need to happen. The dad's got that capacity to help us stay internally focused, still moving, still using all the tools and resources and giving her love and encouragement. So even if you're walking down along the bed into the theatre because there has to be a caesarean, if she feels that partner is close to her physically and emotionally, then that's going to be an incredible support and gift to the memory of the birth, the experience she actually has and and that he will have with her. I, I speak to a lot of dads who are kind of quite surprised when they're handed the baby and and the midwife or someone will say to them, okay, it's time to go home. And they kind of go, well, I, you know, they, they, they actually, they often say it was a bit, bit disbelief. Really? You're going to let us take this, you know, Helpless little thing, home on her own. What's your so? What's your advice for couples or dad? You know, dads mostly, obviously. Uh, for for that those moments of that taking the baby home, first few days, kind of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. Well, right early on, start talking to make sure you've got enough paternity leave. Like, really fight for your rights to have the leave that you want and remember you can kind of take it part-time, you can take a bit now, maybe a bit later. So I think having some choice, as much choice as possible is ideal So because you are going to be tired and you're doing a whole lot of new learning. So then you can allow yourself to go into this 24-hour clock, day and night merge, your baby's waking up every two to three hours, that they're feeding often and sleeping a lot in between, needing a lot of nappy changes. Yes, ahead of time again to prepare for that, you're thinking about who is our village of support. So have you got your meals prepared? Who's going to call? Who do you need to call if you're feeling emotionally really vulnerable? I think mostly though, you need to trust. You're going to be tapping into an inner strength, an inner resourcefulness that you've not had to activate before, but you have become a father and it's there and you're going to learn by practicing it. You're going to learn by working it out with your partner. Uh, You have to go through a lot of letting go of the independence that you once had and really recognize that you too, the more involved you are, the more you're going to have hormones of bonding and attachment that make you actually want to do the caring for your baby. 
stop feeling like you have to. You've, it feels like you want to, even though you're tired, you want to. And you have your moments, oh, this is hard. I wish I could have a bit more time to just sleep longer or whatever. But the more you do, the more you want to do. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a primes your hormonal system for actually becoming a father and being doing really well at fatherhood. Yeah, I think it's important to just recognize it. Like you say, you have your good days, you have your bad days, and hopefully the good outweigh the bad. Uh, and if they don't, that it, then it's going to change because it all, it all changes, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's a constant kind of environment of change where you're learning that little bit more and then, and then that they change again. And, and it even, it carries on. I mean, my son is is five now, and he you're still learning new things about them, and he finds something new, and he turns around and says, "I don't like that anymore," and you're like Dis- disappointed because I was actually really into that son, and then you're onto something else, and I'm not as into that. Yeah, another another very long term view I have is the father that you, the parent that you are to your child, you are actually going to have a an adult relationship with them far more than you have a parent small child relationship. So you're really thinking, how am I fostering a respectful, uh, a nurturing, an empowering, loving, secure relationship that's going to actually really help them flourish as their own unique human being? But also that you're going to get along with them. That you're going to get along with them, that you respect that they're going to be really (laughs) different to you and that they might have a different temperament than what you even imagine they might have. You know, you're born with a kind of temperament that is adaptable, nature and nurture. Sometimes they're easier to get along with and other times they're not as easy. So that's kind of the the maturity of the parent to to navigate that well. So that's why there's, you know, <laughs> adjusting your own kind of agenda for this to make sure that you're actually caring about the little person who's needs your security and safety and love to identify themselves as a as their own human. Amazing. And so you would you see couples after birth, you go along and you see how they're doing. You you know, postpartum doulas also uh, for our listeners are available to help around the house, to do some cooking, to come in and look after the baby for a little while, to give you a good night's sleep, these kind of things. All of those awesome kind of well-needed things uh, in that postnatal period. But uh, so what do you, but just like, what do you see are the, uh, some of the, the issues between couples around their relationship? Because what we're trying to do is give dads a heads up for the idea that their relationship is is a is about to change uh, fundamentally, and that it might be challenging for them and their partner. Mm, great. Yes, I so agree that if we could have a conversation around how do we manage conflict well to preempt this. I think that's really helpful. So obviously good old active listening skills, taking turns to actually listen to each other, hear it with your heart and your head <laughs> so that you're actually feeling an empathy towards your the, the partner's different points of view. Certainly couples therapists like the Gottman method would say about 67% of couples will have conflict and feel some decline in relationship well-being after the birth of a child, which means there's, you know, a good 30 to 5% doing it really well. And that can be everyone if we just put that attention to it. So I think don't 
dramatize the issue as becoming this is us as a problem as a couple. It is how do we communicate well and understand what the needs of our baby are and each other so that we can navigate who does what, who gets to have some self-care time when, so that you can kind of support filling each up each other's need to sort of get some emotional resilience back up if you're feeling really worn down. But the teamwork, the teamwork is going to be just gentle, gentle, doing all you can. I mean, dads don't breastfeed so that there's plenty to do. The way a mother, baby are kind of like a dyad as far as sort of attachment and bonding goes, baby does tend to attach to the mother, but she attaches, the baby attaches to the mother well when the father is supporting that, that unit. And then there's a natural extension to that father being completely able to soothe and support the baby as well. So don't think that you can't do much. You can help that baby fall asleep. You can bathe the baby, do the nappies. Pram walks. Pram walks. That's on the pram walks, you know. You can supercharge your pram, get out there, get some mag wheels installed. And uh... And get that Get that stretchy hug of a baby carrier so that it, you got your arms free. Yeah, and look, I, I like the way you explained that there, that, you know, that's the mother-baby dyad, but maybe, you know, got a one way of guys to think of it, particularly in those first months, is that it's a dyad between himself and the mother-baby dyad. So they're, they're kind of like, you know, that's the family. It's mum and bub, and then you're kind of you know, uh, wrapping around them in a sense so that they really learn to, to, uh, and get that attachment, uh, really well set up. And then your attachment kind of comes in bits and bobs. It comes in little, little spurts here and there, particularly if you start doing like regular things, like you say, you know, putting the, putting the baby to sleep or out with the pram and, and stuff like that. But it will take a little bit longer. And, you know, and, and that's just nature. It's not anything other than that. Maybe just speaking about nature then uh, might lead us into the question about intimacy post-birth. What, what are your kind of, you know, your, your advice around that and, and what, what you see in your experience? Yeah. We do have to acknowledge that the way a couple experience intimacy is going to go through changes throughout their whole relationship. We are not as madly in love in the sense when we after those first months or year or two of meeting, that's going to feel different once you become nesting partners and you live together. There's a, a different dynamic of the love energy. And, of course, then having a baby, a mother's body has gone through the physical change of growing a baby, birthing and nurturing a baby. There is the falling in love with another human being <laughs> that you've both made So there's an expansion of love and intimacy that is very beautiful and a lot of couples just see each other through a new awe and wonder of this, wow, you're the father, you're the mother of my child. And that's a beautiful quality to, you know, relish, you know, to to be in. And I think that, again, being able to support each other to express what you're feeling around the loss of certain intimacy. So if, say, the mother's libido has dropped post-birth, which is going to be the case for a, for a certain amount of time, then to recognise that 
even being able to express a desire and just have it heard and validated can be very supportive. Sometimes you can't get the need met, but being able to express it still feels helpful as well as listening to her desire intimacy in a more nurturing way for a time and acknowledging and validating that and meeting each other's needs where you can and being very graceful to trust that that there's going to be some needs that you can't meet at the time, but you still need to trust that that will come in time. And by being respectful for where you're at in that moment means it's going to be much more likely to come back quicker <laughs> when it does. The, the, the more sexual or sensual elements of intimacy of course, which are only a part of what intimacy is. Indeed, yes. It's a bit of a short answer. There's a whole other podcast on that. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Okay, so perhaps we could kind of uh, look to wrap up with some final thoughts, some, you know, kind of what what do you want to say to first-time dads, you know, that you might not have already said? Hmm. Uh, I think it's really important to help dads understand that they can make such a positive difference in the birth space and that their active engagement does improve the well-being for everyone, for themselves, their partner, their baby, their family as a whole, to trust, to do your best. If you've got that sense that you could be doing something more and you're not, that's the that's the voice to listen to. Don't beat yourself up about what you don't know. <laughs> Just but if you if you've come into some awareness that maybe this could be a good thing to do to be helpful or to prepare yourself in some way, then I think that that's where you want to jump on board and become wiser and a little more knowledgeable about yourself and your partner. So act, yeah, act on intuition. I think is what you say. Yeah, act yeah. on intuition. Yeah, yeah, yep. And yeah, it can be. It can be tough. It can be really overwhelming. There's a whole lot of challenge because there's only so much that we ever know. And sometimes we are a bit overwhelmed by unexpected outcomes or a a less support than we thought we would get or a physical, you know, a, a medical emergency that we didn't anticipate. And so I think, again, key to this journey is how do I build my inner resourcefulness so that I can be my best self to give to also there be able to give to to my partner to my baby to others and how do I keep developing my resilience my adaptability and and my life skills so that I'm gonna be really proud of myself (laughs) (laughs) yeah look back and and I saw once um you know, what do you want to your 22-year-old to say about you? Mm. You know, and I thought that was nice. That was nice. It was a bit profound. It was like, well, yeah, it's a good way of looking at your early parenting and, and you know, what are they going to come back and, you know, what are they going to remember about you? What are they going to, you know, see you as as a whole, like in your parenting? I can, I, I don't know if we have time, like my dad, who's in his 80s, I was, I'm now a grandmother. My son is now has a little daughter who's three months old and we went and visited their house and she started crying. Now, my dad said something kind of like, no, you, you know, you got to let her cry it out. And he had this tough love idea. And now with neurobiology, we know so much more about how the brain grows. And in the first year, the brain grows to almost its adult size. Like it does so much and babies need their dads just to be, help them feel safe and secure and loved 
And they do that best by you being in their face. They see your face, you're engaging, you're talking, you're making those cute little cooey sounds because that's what I'm seeing my son do. He's just naturally finding this higher, lighter tone and delighting in his face as she lights up. And, you know, you are the best gift to your daughter, your son, by by being available to spend time with them and getting to know them. And that is going to obviously be supported, like you said, being a part of that support to your partner with the baby in the breastfeeding and the caring that they do too. So it's such an exciting journey. Oh, absolutely. And I'm really glad that you mentioned that, you know, that difference in in the generations, you know, your dad kind of going, oh, let it cry it out. And, you know, we've moved towards a, uh, you know, a, a greater understanding of of attachment and what it means to let them cry it out. You know, if you, and we've moved past that. We've actually disproven that. And, you know, it's it's actually, uh, it's negative. If you, if you let them cry it out, what they're actually doing is, you know, in their mind, what they're doing is they're saying, oh, everyone's abandoned me. I better just actually be quiet so that no predators come along and eat me. That's actually what's going on in that little brain uh, when you let a baby cry it out. So any of these sleep methods and things like that, uh, you know, that is, you know, while they, people sell a lot of books on it, uh, I don't think that's actually the way to build, uh, you know, an awesome and excellent human, to be honest. Uh, and that's what the research says. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're you're flooding their body with cortisol, which means that they are more quickly activated into a stress response later when they have the developmental ability to actually move away from their parents and go, oh, I think I'd like to play with that little person over there. They're less independent rather than more independent. And so, yeah, this, you know, mum and dad get to know the cry of their child and if it's that sort of whingy little cry as they kind of shake out the last bit of tiredness, that's sort of different to, to actual distress. But it takes time to get to know what that those different sounds are and we need to err on the side of caution and give more love and reassurance and soothing than the other, than the opposite. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't actually over... Love. <laughs> Over love a yeah a newborn yeah that's right. Uh, look, uh, Erica Munton, thank you so much for joining us uh, today and sharing your immense wisdom uh, and knowledge on, on this this topic. And uh, look, how can how can people get in touch with you? Oh, yeah, thank you so much. It's been really joyful to to talk and to share our thoughts and ideas and our experiences. I'm at birthready.com.au. So doing birth and parenting and relationship education, support, counselling and, and coaching across that pregnancy to parenting time. And for some couples, depending on what council they're in, there's also the Baby Makes Three program that I facilitate that's um, and a part of the maternal child health centers. So advocate for that to be run in your council if it's not there. <laughs> Absolutely. That is a wonderful program. That's Baby Makes Three. And we will put all of the links to all of what Erica just mentioned in the show notes. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you later. Thank you. Take care. Bye. I'd like to acknowledge the Darawal people as the traditional custodians of the land upon which this podcast is recorded. And I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging.